expecting. But he said the message was taken to another level. I mean, he, he was just blessed by the perspective. And myself, I've been blessed by the perspective of God's obedience. Because we understood obedience differently as we were going as believers. But there's more to obedience because in the New Testament, obedience is not the same. All obedience is not the same. Praise God. Now we established the fact that man had a command from God. There was a charge from God. God said, don't eat from this tree. You are free to eat from any tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are, you are forbidden to eat from that tree. Like I said, it wasn't that God was a bad God, so he deliberately put this tree there so that man could partake of the tree and die. No. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were not a good and a bad tree. No. It was not a godly and a demonic tree. No. There were two wonderful trees representing two attributes of God. God's immortality and God's knowledge. But you see, God is the only one who has the capacity to know what is good and what is evil and still remain the same. But man's level and capacity by then was not yet. So God wanted man to partake of the tree of life so he could enjoy God's life and have enough capacity to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, God's goal is that man will always become God. Maybe that's another time. But man disobeyed. And he took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like I said, it didn't contain poison. No. What happened, what happened to man was disobedience, through unbelief. Because God gave a word. The devil gave a word. And man took God, the devil's word over God's word. So he believed Satan and disbelieved God. And that, dis that unbelief was disobedience. So the offense of man went beyond the eating, but it does not deny Adam of eating anything in the garden. He actually ate. But the culmination of his rebellion was what he ate. So the real issue in his heart was disobedience to unbelief. He didn't believe God. But eating from the tree was what sealed his disobedience. It became the physical evidence of his disobedience. But the thing started in his heart. That is how come sin goes beyond an act. It is in the heart. So Jesus came to deal with the issue of the heart. That is how come you can destroy and clean all the cobwebs here. And it will come again because of the existence of the spider. You can take all the fruits of a tree and it will still grow again because of the existence of the tree. You can destroy all beer bottles in the world and it will still be produced because the beer factory is still alive. So Jesus did not come for the beer. He came for the factory. He did not come for the cobwebs. He came for the spider. He did not come for the fruits. He came for the roots. And that is what he did on the cross. But you see, the problem of man was that man disobeyed by unbelieving God or by disbelieving God. But the problem was that Adam wanted to go back to obey. 
give us understanding. Man was trapped in disobedience so much that he cannot go back to obey God by eating from the tree. So God drove man out of the garden not because he was angry. He drove man out of the garden because he loved man. And if you read the book of Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says he drove man out because he didn't want him to go back to go and eat from the tree of life then he will remain eternally condemned as a sinner. Because if he ate from the tree of life, he wouldn't have died again. And imagine, you have sin in you, yet you don't die. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. So God drove him out to establish his life. And amazingly, he put two chariots and a flaming sword moving to and fro. This to and fro thing was a prophecy. Was a prophecy. A sword is used for execution. And on the cross, that sword pierced the side of Jesus and gave you access.
But you see, the next kind of obedience is obedience of faith. The obedience of faith is our response to the obedience of Christ. To God, when a man believes Jesus and what he did, that man is obedient. The Bible calls the gospel in the New Testament a commandment. This is a new commandment. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a new commandment. Like I showed that to you again, Romans 16, 25. The gospel in the New Testament is a commandment. When you believe it, you have obeyed God's commandment in the New Testament. Are you seeing this thing? He says, now to him, that is able, that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, which is, or that is, or even, the word end there doesn't help it a lot. It makes it look like that my gospel there and the preaching of Jesus is different. The word end is kai, which means even, or that is, or which is. So my gospel, which is the preaching of Jesus, or even, or that is the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the Mosterion, which was kept secret since the world began. Uh-huh. Look at this. But now it's made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God. So in the New Testament, the commandment of the everlasting God is the gospel. Glory. When we believe, we have obeyed. We call this obedience the obedience of faith. And I told you last week that the obedience of faith is your response to the obedience of Jesus Christ. When a man believes what Jesus did, he has become an obedient man. And the gospel is the only message that offers you the opportunity to obey God by believing Jesus. Praise God. So, I establish also that there is a difference between the obedience of faith and the obedience of law. Many Christians today think obeying God is obeying the Ten Commandments. In the New Testament, obeying God is not obeying the Ten Commandments or the laws of Moses. In the New Testament, obeying God, first of all, is believing Jesus. That is God's definition of obedience with respect to salvation. Obeying the law of Moses does not qualify anyone to, to be saved. You must understand this. On the Mount of Transfiguration, two people appear to Jesus. Moses and Elijah. Now, these were the two key celebrities of the Old Testament. Moses was the giver of the law, so Moses represents the law. Elijah represented the totality of all the prophets. So the law, Moses, prophets, Elijah, Elijah were facing the son Jesus, the fulfillment of the law of the prophet and the prophet. So as they beheld Jesus in the book of Luke, I think Luke chapter 9, the Bible told us the conversation we had. The Bible says what they were discussing with Jesus is Exodus, how he was going to die. So indirectly, the law and the prophets were looking at the fulfillment. So Moses was a messenger, Elijah was a messenger, but Jesus is a messenger. Are you seeing that? So now, they tried to compare Moses and Elijah to Jesus. They didn't understand who was standing and walking with them. And Peter said, Master, let us make a tent to one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. They were spiritually dumb, they didn't know who Jesus was. God, God didn't even bother to answer them. And told them his plan. Moses was standing there. Elijah was standing there. Yet God said, 
This is my beloved son, in whom I will please hear him. Oh, glory. That means Moses and Elijah are already relevant when the sun is around. And guess what? The Bible says both Moses and Elijah faded. The only one that stood was Jesus. So the death of Jesus faded the old covenant. Because Jesus fulfilled it and abolished it. Are you seeing this? So the law of Moses is not a means to salvation. It's not a means to obedience. In fact, obeying the law of Moses does not qualify you, it does not justify you, and does not make you righteous, and it does not secure you a place in heaven. Don't think you are doing God a favor by obeying Moses. In fact, in the New Testament, obeying Moses is cheating on Jesus. We call it spiritual adultery. Because you are not married to Christ, and yet you want to flirt with the law of Moses. Glory! Beloved, Moses is dead and gone. Keep it like that. Do you know that God was so strict about the law that when Moses died, he did not want them to trace where he was buried. So Moses himself went to bury himself. God does not want the believer to even trace the root of the law when he is in Christ. It's amazing that Moses walked with Israel, yet he did not enter the promised land with them. The promised land is rest. Moses represents the law. The reason why Moses did not enter with them is because the law cannot give you rest. It was Joshua that took them there. The word Joshua is a Hebrew Yeshua, from which you have the English word Jesus. So like Joshua took them to the promised land, Jesus is the only one that brings us rest. The Bible says he who has believed must come to rest. So our promised land is not the place. Our promised land is Christ. Are you, are you following this? So, the obedience of the Ten Commandments and the obedience of the ordinances are now illegal activities. Now, have you been in a house where they are doing illegal connections? Many believers are doing illegal connections with Moses. And very soon, ECD will come from. Walking after the human strength. Walking after the spirit is walking in grace. 
what God and Billy did. Do you know that Abraham had two children? Ishmael and Isaac. But God did not even mention Ishmael. He called Isaac your son. Why? Do you know that Abraham wanted to help God? And his ability and trying to help God produce Ishmael. And God says, this is not my heir. My heir is what I produce by my ability. And I say came by God's promise. Now because it was God's promise, God was the one who did it. In the New Testament, anything you produce in the flesh is not recognized in heaven. Anything you do to gain recognition or acceptance in heaven by your ability is not recognized. So Ishmael was not recognized. Isaac was. Anything that is of grace is recognized. Glory. So the Bible says, cast out the son of the bold woman. For the son of the bold woman will not be a heir. So Ishmael was cast out. God is saying, cast out the law. Cast out the flesh. Grace is the only one standing. And she be the only one standing in your life. Are you following this? Yes. <laughs> so the believer is no more under the law. And he's no longer required to obey the law. Are you seeing that? Now, Hebrews chapter 10, the verse 1. You must understand that the law cannot perfect anybody. The law cannot perfect anyone. The Bible says, for the law having a shadow. The law is a shadow. Praise God. It's not a real thing. It's a shadow. So the, the law was actually an interruption in God's plan. It was an interruption in God's plan. It wasn't God's plan. God's plan for you has always been Jesus. It wasn't the law. The law was to confine man and prove to man that man was powerless in himself to save himself. Are you here with me? He says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. Look at that. Can never with those sacrifices they offer year by year continually make the calmness thereon to perfect. So the law does not perfect anyone. Anyone living by the system of the law cannot be perfected. Next one. The law is the administration of death. You'll be surprised. Anyone who preaches Moses to you, anyone that preaches the law to you, is killing you softly. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Number 6 and 7. I'll, 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 I'll shock you with this one. Mm. Mm. Look at that. He says, who also made, who has also made us ministers of the New Testament. So the believer is a minister of the New Testament. But today many ministers are ministers of the Old Testament. That is the problem of the church. Now look at us. Not of the letter, the law, written code, but of the spirit, for the letter killeth. But the spirit gives life. Do you know the first day the law was given in the book of Exodus? 3,000 people died. Yes, it kills. The day the Holy Ghost was given, 3,000 people were saved. So the law kills. Next verse. Now look at this. But if the administration of death written and engraved on stones, what was written on the stone? The 
Ten Commandments. It says the Ten Commandments is the ministration of death. So anyone preaching the law is killing power. It's a weapon of mass destruction. And grace is the weapon of mass transformation. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. I'm going to show you something else. I didn't like it when I saw it. I was like, what? So is this what the law has been doing to people? He says, For the stage of, of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Give me another shit. The strength of sin is the law. Praise God. Now look at the amplifier. It says, Now the stage of death and sin, and the, the, now sin is the stage of death, and sin exercises its power upon the soul through the abuse of the law. Next verse. Another, another um, um, version. Look at that. For, the, for sin is the speech that results in death. And the Lord gives sin its power. The Lord gives sin its power. So sin is empowered by the law. The power of sin is the law. I, I gave you an example the other time of a guy in a bullet and a shooter. The shooter is there. The gun is seen. The bullet is the law. Now, without a bullet, can a gun operate? No. So sin is a gun, but without the law, sin is powerless. So when you preach the law, guess what you're doing? You are powering the gun. Is someone getting this? He says, for the sake of death is sin, the power of sin is the law. But look at the next verse. He says, but thanks be to God, which given us victory through Jesus. Come on, you are shouting the name of Jesus. Through Jesus. This is the only reference for victory. Your victory is through Jesus. Is someone here with all right. Now, when the law is read, there is a veil on the heart. Now, this is this is a very serious thing. Second Corinthians chapter three, the verse fifteen and sixteen. Any time you are hearing Moses on the law, there is a veil. You are being veiled. You are being blinded. So you cannot know Jesus under the law. That's a serious thing. Now, you, you see, you, you know why people are offended when you are preaching grace. Do you know you don't need to prepare? You don't need to study to preach the law? Yes, sir. <laughs> you, can just, you can just find out the common sins people are committing and just preach it. You don't have to prepare. You can make a series out of it without preparing. So you sit down. So law preachers are lazy preachers. Because for me to come and show you some of these things, trust me, you must be studying. And they don't like it because it exposes their ignorance. I'm telling you. 
and they start scaring people. Listen, this grace people, be careful. They will take you to hell. Alright. The, the, the grace which has taken us to hell, trust me. Jesus should be there. Grace does not look like the 
best. Do you know when David and Goliath were fighting, were about to fight, Saul gave him his armor. You'll be shocked to know the word Saul in Hebrew means demand. What demanded from you? The Lord. So, Saul gave him his armor, and the Bible says the armor of Saul was heavy on David. For him to have victory, he had the armor of Saul, and it was heavy. Listen, the law is heavy. It cannot give you victory. So, David took off. The Bible says that Saul even gave him a helmet of bronze. Bronze signifies judgment. If you put on the law, you are crowned with judgment and condemnation. So he took it off. And guess what? He took five stones. Five signifies grace. And stones represents Jesus. He's a chief on a stone. Whoa. So he beat Jesus with that stones. The and guess what? When he picked these stones, just the first one has him victory. So our victory is in grace. It's not in the law. Oh, 
What's the problem for the witness? It says, Thou shalt shave. For information, if you're under the law, there was a law that stated that you must not, sh- you must not shave your beard. If you shave your beard, you have sinned. So, if look at me, I didn't shave, I didn't, I didn't shave you, I shaved it. So imagine. The law is not good. I'm telling you, like I told you. You see, after man sin, the sin had effect on his spirit, but on his body, they saw nothing wrong with it. So man thought it was okay. He didn't know the damage caused inside. So God had to give the law for man to see what is really inside him. So when man is trying not to convert, convert source desires begin to come. And he's wondering at himself what is happening to him. So man was giving the law so that he will see in his in he, he will see his inability to live by God's standard. Because God's standards are high. That is how he must give it to you as a gift. Praise oh. God. Being under the law is being under a curse. That's what many Christians have lost. Being under the law is being under a curse. Being under the law is being under a curse. Hallelujah. Okay. Pastor Dan, can come and have a Being under the law is being under what? A curse. Galatians 3.10. Lord, I love you. Now look at this. He says, for as many as as are of the works of the law are under the once you decide to obey the law, you are under the curse, which is the consequence of not obeying the law. Deuteronomy 28. He says, if you do not hearken to my voice and obey my commandments, this curse shall come upon you and it shall overtake you. We call it overtaking curse. <laughs> Praise God. Now, night, no, no, come, okay. Look, it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord and God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, all these curses shall come upon you and overtake thee. So before you get there, the curse is waiting for you. The curse goes with you and waits for you. And let's just see just two of the cases so I can have a picture of it. Look at this. It says, Curse shall thou be in the city. Curse shall thou be in the village. So, uh, in, the, in the field. So, if you leave the village and come to the city to think that your life will be better, it says you are still cursed. Next verse. It says, Curse shall be thy basket and thy store. Next one. Curse shall be the fruit of your body. And the fruit of thy land, and the increase of thy kind, and thy flock and thy sheep. So your profit is cursed. Wow. Left alone the capital. <laughs> hey. Next one. He says, Guess thou shalt be when thou comest in, and guess thou shalt be when you go out. So when you enter home, you are cursed. When you go out, you are cursed. Are you still listening? <laughs> Next one. He says, The Lord shall send upon thee cursing. You are cursed, though. And the Lord will 
The right answer to say is, I don't know. I don't know how I feel now. It says, from as many as are the words of the law are under the case, which I read for you. For it is written, look at this. Guess is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. He says, Guess is he that does not continue. He didn't say continue in some. Continue to do all. So the moment you want to be under the law, you must add all. There was a law that stated that when you injure yourself and it's blood, don't go to church. In the Old Testament, it was don't go to the congregation. There was a law that stated that if you touch a dead body, or when they dead, don't come to the congregation because you're unclean. How many mosquitoes have you killed this week? How many dead cockroaches have you picked up this week? You can't come to church. So you see, as you are seated here, you have already broken every law. Because Bible says if you break one, you have broken all. For your information, there was a law that stated that you cannot wear two or more materials at the same time. How many materials are you wearing? So you can't wear cotton and nylon at the same time. It was forbidden. Some of you are wearing five different guys at the same time. We are still in church. Are you seeing the seriousness of the law? Now look at the next verse. He says, but now, okay, let's come to the verse 30 because I'm going to come to this one. Of sin, but not power over sin. 
So we give you the knowledge and the awareness, and that awareness created a craving to do it, even when you didn't want to do it. So the law is about sin and the knowledge of sin. So that's the work the Lord did. The assignment of the law was to give you the knowledge of sin. So that by trying not to do it, you end up doing it and realize that you are powerless. So he says, no flesh will be justified. The word justification is a judicial term whereby a judge declares a man not guilty. It means to be acquitted and discharged. It means to be made right. It means to have a right standing with God. No flesh can be justified. Are you following this? We see that again in Galatians 2.16. Now look at that. He says, knowing, that means Paul was expecting every believer should know this by now. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even when we are believing in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Galatians 3.11 But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident. The just shall live by faith. So just people, those who are justified, live by faith, not by law. So if you find yourself a justified man living by the law, you are an illegal believer. Are you here with me? Yes. Romans 77. The law is a knowledge of sin, like we read. Romans 77. Quickly, quickly. Now look at this. It says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I have not known sin, but by the law. For I have not known lust, except the law has said, Thou shalt not forbid. Thou shalt not forbid. I have not known it until the law said it. Are you seeing this? Romans 4 15. Quickly. Romans 4.15. It says, Because the law worketh wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. You cannot hold somebody guilty of a crime until there is a law. Praise the law. That's it. That is how come today the believer is not living by the law. So now, if it's not living by the law, how can it be found guilty if there's something wrong? The Holy Ghost is his inward monitor. The Holy Ghost is his new force of operation. And that's what we are coming to do today. We call it the obedience of the Spirit. this one before we go there. Now, you see, the law was given to make the whole world guilty. Romans 3.19. The law was given to make the whole world guilty. Now look at this. He says, now we know that what things whatsoever the law said, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth shall be stopped and all the world may become guilty before the law. So the law was given 
Are you enjoying this? First Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to see that the law was not made for a Christian. The law was not made for a believer. Now watch it. Look, it says, knowing this, the law is not made for a righteous man. Are you a righteous man? Yes. He said the law was not made for you. We are going to see who the law was made for. But for the knowledge, the disobedient. Who is a disobedient man? The one who has not believed Jesus. For the ungodly. For sinners. For unholy. Are you unholy? No. For profane. For murderers of fathers. Murderers of mothers. For manslayers. Uh-huh. For whoremongers. For them that defile themselves with mankind. For men stealers. For liars. For perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to some doctrine. So this is sound doctrine. Preaching that the believer is not under the law is sound doctrine. Today, it is dirty doctrine. To Paul, it was sound doctrine. Are you seeing how the church has misplaced the place of revelation? Today, what is good is not bad. And what is bad has not been accepted as good. You see a whole church seriously preaching the law to people. Now you see, today the law has not necessarily been preached by saying that the Ten Commandments, number one, that shall not. No. Now it has been upgraded. You can preach it through iPad. It's nice. Beautiful presentation. But it's not. For your information, this bomb will hurt you, but don't worry. It's okay. The Beatitudes of Jesus was an upgrade of the law. It was an upgrade version of the law. If you want to understand more, Buy my book, open my eyes. Ah. <laughs> it says, Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Did you obtain mercy because you are merciful? <laughs> That's just by the way. So we're study the rest. The Beatitudes were not grace, they were an upgraded and updated version of the law. So it's still unattainable. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall obtain peace. How do you obtain peace? I would say Jesus himself is your peace. Were you a peacemaker before you gave you peace? How many peacemakers are here? Many of you are fighters. <laughs> Praise God. That's not by the way. I know I've, I've stepped on some lion stakes. But it's good. Go and get open my eyes. We'll be forced to read. All right. Okay, last one. The law was to make sin appear more sinful. I'll explain. Romans 7, 12. So you see, sin was there, but sin had to be sinful for man to see how sinful sin was. Now look at this. It says, wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just and good. I explained to you another time. Okay, that if I went to visit my friend in the hospital and I'm told that the friend is dead, and I said, What killed him? He says, Bad eating habits. And I go to my car, open the door, take a very beautiful book or reader's digest on health. And I come to the dead body. And I said, Dead body, when you wake up in the morning, take a lot of water. When you wake up in the morning, jog for 15 minutes. When you wake up in the morning, blend watermelon and eat, drink it. Now, what am I doing? The book I'm reading is good, but the body I'm reading to is dead. 
So at this juncture, the man does not need a good book. He doesn't need principles. He doesn't need laws. He needs life. So Jesus came to give life. That was his assignment. Because when you are alive, you respond. So the law was to make dead men realize they are dead. Jesus came to make dead men know they can live. The law was to make dead men know they are dead. And grace, which is Jesus, came to make dead men know they can live through him. Bokala Next verse. So he said the law is just as good. Okay? But look at this. Was then that which is good made dead unto me? God forbid. But look at this. But sin that it might appear sin. Working them in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So, you see, the law was good. But sin used the law to revive sin in you so that sin will be sinful. Don't forget this in 10 years, it's okay. Praise God. Are you here? Yes. Now, as we as we further proceed, we are looking at the third kind of obedience called obedience. Let me use ten minutes to uh, open it up for you. We call it the obedience of the spirit. That's the third kind of obedience. Now, you see, you must understand that God, Abraham, walked in different kinds of obedience in his walk with God, and the life of Abraham is a picture of the believer's walk with God. Now, Abraham was an idol worshiper. And the Bible said, God said to him, Get thee out of thy kindred, out of thy country, out of thy people, and out of thy father's house. That is the call out of his family. And Abraham obeyed by living. That obedience of Abraham was not obedience of faith. By living his father's house, he left his father's mode of operation, his father's environment. It pictures the salvation of a believer. When a believer believes Jesus, he has responded to the call of God out of this world. So it's a new creation. That was the first kind of obedience that obeyed. And that's our first kind of obedience by believing Jesus and responding to him. But do you know there was a further obedience when God demanded other sacrifices of Abraham? So you see, his obedience did not end there. There was a progression of obedience. He was to obey God's voice. So the third kind of obedience is called the obedience of the spirit. And that is the problem we have in the church today. I believe this one bless you so much. So we have many people who understand grace but they don't know about the Holy Spirit. So they don't know how the Holy Spirit can use the grace message to bring transformation to them so that others can benefit from them. So you see a grace preacher condemning people, speaking against men of God, talking against those taking tithes, speaking badly about people. Listen, when you have encountered the spirit, there is a language you speak. So we have people who know grace theoretically. They know the book knowledge of grace, but the revelation knowledge of 
grace by the efficacy and power of the Holy Spirit. They don't have. So I tell people that there are a lot of grace preachers and a lot of grace young guys who don't know Jesus. They know the message, but the pastor of the message is new to them. And after hearing this message, you can't be awaiting anymore. Amen. Amen. The obedience of the Spirit. Now the question is that for you cannot obey the Holy Spirit without knowing the Holy Spirit. Now let me just quickly explain the obedience of the Spirit before we continue. The obedience of the Spirit. Are you ready? Alright. The obedience of the Spirit are the specific instructions the Holy Spirit gives to you and you alone. In fact, probably if another person should obey that same principle, it won't work. So the obedience of the Spirit comes as a result of our intimacy with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The obedience of the Spirit comes as daily instructions that the Holy Spirit gives to the believer to live a victorious life. The obedience of the Spirit are the response of the believer to the desires of the Holy Ghost. To the promptings of the Holy Spirit. When believers respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that's obedience of the Spirit. So you, you see, the cutting line between death and life is in obedience of the Holy Spirit. Many people have become victims. Old Christians have died because of disobedience of the Holy Ghost for information. Men of God have lost their ministry because of disobedience of the Holy Spirit. I was sharing with the shepherds the other time on a Friday all night that uh, one of the, the, the men of God and a father that I respect so much is Ken Kagan. One day the Lord laid upon his heart to minister to prostitutes. And he was praying about it and he felt the go ahead. So he had the contact of one prostitute. And the prostitute gave a location to the house and he, he said, okay, then I'm going to minister to her. He gave him the room number and everything he was going to minister to her. And he had a clear conscience. But he didn't tell the wife. So on his way, he was almost at the door. And the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, Son, don't enter. Call your wife to come. And he went back outside. And he called the wife. He said, Baby, can you come? The wife came. He says, The Lord laid upon my heart to minister to prostitute. And this is the first one. I want to come with you. So the wife said, Okay, hold on. Let me go to the door. Stay here. So the wife went, knocked. And the lady said, Who are you? He says, I'm Mrs. Hayden. Now, she didn't hear the missus. She only heard Hagen. So she thought it was Kenneth Hagen. So she opened the door and quickly pulled the woman inside, naked, with cameras all over. Apparently, journalists have bribed her to bring it down. And the wife shouted, Kenneth, run immediately! And he ran, a man of God, man. <laughs> Enter his car. That was how the Holy Ghost saved his ministry. That was how the Holy Spirit saved his ministry. And I believe there are many Christians today to hear who, who are victims because they did not respond in obedience to the promptings and the desires and the instructions of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there is no one here as a believer who walks with the Holy Spirit without him giving him specific instructions. In the Bible, most of the people that walk with God have specific instructions. One for Samson is that his hair must not be cut. If you are another person from Nazareth and cut your hair, you will be another person. Nothing will happen if you leave your hair. 
Every Nazarite you left your head. They would go and carry things before you realize they've broken their waist. It was something specific. God gave specific word to Lot. Don't move by you and your family alone. Do you know the Bible said whilst they were moving, Abraham was looking at Solo, nothing happened to him. He was looking at Solo daily, nothing happened to him because the instructions was the Lord. To live by. A man of God was praying to the Holy Spirit and told the Holy Spirit he wanted to come out of financial bondage so he can take off something. And the Lord told him to give 100,000 naira every month, not his time, nothing. 100,000 for his salary every month for one year. After he did it, that was the turning point of his hope. If another person tried it, So there are some of you who hear crazy testimonies and you want to try. 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 So the instructions of the Holy Spirit becomes the pattern of your walk. Irrespective of your understanding. It becomes the pattern of your walk. For example, as I walk with the Holy Spirit, I was telling the Holy Spirit that, Holy Spirit, I don't want to be a victim of adultery. Help me. And the Holy Ghost said, don't respond to an opposite sex who is not a relative after 930. Me and Have you seen this? Specific instructions. It is not the law. It's an instruction that guides your walk to give you victory as a believer. Now, for what I'm saying might be a mystery to many believers because first of all, they don't know the Holy Spirit. And that's a problem. Listen to me. The best gift God gave to man in the garden was a helper. The best gift God gave to the man in Christ is a helper. What the woman was to Adam is what the Holy Ghost is to the church. Wow. Jesus is the gift of God to the world. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God to the church. That is how come you always see spirit, spirit in the book of Acts. Because when they, when they got born again, the next thing was the life of the spirit. And many believers have missed this thing. Who is this Holy Ghost? Oh, Holy Ghost. The Bible calls him your helper. John chapter 14, the verse 16. Let me help you with something. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I love you all. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, imagine, God gave you this promise that he will give you another comforter. The word another is arrows, which means another of the same kind. That means the Holy Ghost is exactly like Jesus. That is how come you can argue that the Holy Ghost did not kill Ananas and Zafira. If the Holy Ghost killed Ananas and Zafira, that was character assassination. Of who the Holy Ghost is. What happened in Acts chapter 5 was not the Holy Ghost, it was Peter. Peter. For information, Peter already had the tendency of killing people before he said that. Whoa. And I can give you, it was Peter that said to Jesus, when they were forbidding Jesus from entering Jerusalem, he says, Master, 
Jesus when they were looking for him. So he had all these tendencies there. What happened to Ananas and Sapphira was the abuse of apostolic authority. Now you must understand that in the Old Testament, people did not understand the power of love. So Elijah could go fire to consume 50 people and he felt proud about it. Elijah, birth, you little children were just saying, Satora watching. Satora watching. Satora watching because Elijah was a bad man. And in anger, he called birth to kill the children. That was the abuse of authority because they didn't know the power of love. But when Jesus came and Peter said, Let's go fire like Elijah, the Bible says he came and rebuked them and said, Ye do not know the man of spirit here off. So now listen, the Bible said, after the last lie about it, you know what Peter said? The Bible said, You are not like to men but to God. And the Bible said, And Ananas, hearing the words of Peter, fell down and died. The wife came back and says, How much was it? The wife says, hey. You know what Peter said? He said, The men that carry the body of your husband are coming for you. She fell down and died. Who killed Ananas and Sapphira? But one and two. Hearing the words of Peter. Whose words? The words of Peter. Do you know you can use the word of God to kill? If you don't understand this technicality in the spirit. The Bible says, though I have all faith and I can move mountains. So faith can move mountains. That means it can kill. It can do the impossible. You can use faith to do wicked, stupid things. I'll tell you. That's why like I'm going to pray over water and anoint the water. That anoint, the water is anointed, yet you will sell it. That's what people can use their faith for. So don't think because you're a Christian, everything is spiritual. You can use the spiritual to get things for yourself. You can live the spiritual selfishly. So Peter killed Ananas and Sapphira because of apostolic abuse. He abused his apostolic authority just like all the Old Testament prophets did. It was no different. He had to learn because he was not growing. Remember, Peter was a baby apostle because we're not born again in Acts chapter 2. Yes. Wow. So he was in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is another comforter. He is just like Jesus. The Bible says, whom the Father will send in my name. If you are coming in the name of Jesus, don't kill. If Jesus never killed anybody around him, the only thing Jesus did was to give people life and healing. So if the Holy Ghost came to represent Jesus on earth, he can't kill. So the Holy Ghost is not the one who killed Ananas and Sapphira. You must understand this. You cannot use that message to threaten the church. That the days of Ananas and Sapphira is coming back to the church. That day will never come. Glory. Man of God was giving a testimony that one man, one person, a woman who gave them a place to a renting. The woman and the daughter were worrying him. And he prayed. But they should go mad. Three days later they were mad. And the church was clapping and celebrating the madness of another man. And God is testimony. You see, when we don't understand who the spirit is, we use him instead of him using us. So we have a lot of things that even some Christian fathers today we respect are doing, which is not in line with the will of God. So you don't just copy anything because a church father is doing it. There's a reason why I'm not doing many programs for one year since we started the church. Because a lot of people in start church, they do many programs to get many people and make more money. 
if you are walking by the spirit, you will have more money without doing programs. Oh. We pay this place seven thousand five hundred dollars when we were twenty-one people. Twenty-one people. We didn't do program. We didn't do special Holy Ghost service. <laughs> we are here. We receive instruments worth forty thousand Ghana cedis free of charge. When you walk by the pathing of the spirit, the Holy Ghost becomes your spiritual shortcut. You know why? Because the map, the map of your spiritual journey is in the heart of the Holy Ghost. How can you move without him? He knows every route. Many of you are stuck because you are moving without the map. He is the map. Is the map for your business, the map for your Christian life, the map for your career as a businessman. He is the map. You have read many business books, but nothing is happening. Read the business Holy Spirit. Ah, uh, I love it. That's a problem. Many Christians don't know the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's another comforter. The word comforter is paracletos, which means oh, uh, let me let me let me say it here. You're gonna you, you're gonna love it. The word paracletos means called to one side. So the Holy Ghost is called to your side. So you, are, you, you can't move without Him. You can't go ahead of Him. You can't go behind Him. You walk with Him because He's called to your side. That's the meaning of comforter. Number two, it means all to one's aid. So if you are in problems or in trouble, the first person to call is not your uncle. You see the problem? Because we can't see the spirit, we can't relate with him. I'm going to get to something very soon. Oh, I love it. Give me five minutes. I promise I'm going to finish. Okay. Now, it also means counsel for defense. Can you imagine? The word comforter means the counsel for defense. So the Holy Spirit is the counsel for your defense. So if you're in trouble, who is your defender? If you spoke to the policeman, you go somewhere. I was stuck in India because I was report, reported to the immigration that I was coming to save Christians, to save Hindus. I was stuck in the immigration. They were speaking, they said they should take my luggage out and go to prosecute me. Speaking the Holy Say after 45 minutes, the man came back. He says, You are I said, I'm the preacher. I didn't respond. Because the Holy Ghost said, Don't respond. I don't know why he said I shouldn't respond. I didn't respond. He says, You are I said, I'm the preacher. I was watching. He, the last time, you are I said, the preacher. I was watching me. Why did the Holy Ghost say, Don't talk? What if I said yes? And no, no, he was recording me. What if I said no? And maybe I was denying something. He said, Don't talk. He watched my face. He, said, he just looked at my passport. He said, Take it and go. I'm telling you, if you can listen to the voice of the Spirit, He can defend you. Next one. It's your intercessor. So the best intercessor is the Holy Ghost. I hope I'm getting something. That word also means straightener. So listen, if you are weak, your first reference is not para or energy drink. It's the Holy Ghost. He's your strengthener. Some of, some of you will laugh because how can it be? You see, you don't understand how the Spirit operates. He's your strengthener. So if you are down, if you are down, you realize business is not working. You have a financial problem. Your down must be down in the Holy Ghost. Discuss it with Him. You don't just go down and say Holy Ghost down. No. You are 
trying to live when you discuss Holy Spirit. This is the problem. Listen, you must understand. Walking with the Holy Spirit is walking in madness. Because you will not do anything that men will understand when you're walking by the Spirit. Now this will show some of you. John 14, okay, the verse 7. Okay, let's come to John chapter 16, the verse 7. John 16, the verse 7. Okay, three minutes. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send it to you. That means if Jesus stayed on earth, we would have been in trouble. We would have been disadvantaged. He says, it is to your advantage that I go. It is to your advantage. That means Jesus staying here on earth was our disadvantage. The Holy Ghost coming to us is an advantage. So anybody having the Holy Ghost in you is your advantage. You are having an advantage in the interview room among 5,000 people. You have an advantage because of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Are you catching this thing? Now come to the verse 13. Let me finish this. It says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come? He will guide you. The word come that he has said to set it up. He will guide you. So a guide is the Holy Spirit, not the law. He will guide you into all, not some truth, all truth. He shall not speak of himself. So the Holy Ghost does not tell you about him. He, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. So the Holy Ghost, whatever the Holy Ghost tells you, is what he has heard from God. It's what he has heard from the devil's camp. It's what he has heard in that lecturer's office. He tells you. <laughs> That's like how a man Elisha could be in his room and a serial office preparing their strategy. The Holy Ghost gives him a, a bit of the strategy. And before they come, they are already defeated. And we're like, what is happening? Is there any betrayer amongst you? And the servant said, no, there is a prophet in Israel. <laughs> Levi came and passed by. I love you all. The Bible says, 
there was a Samaritan who came and saw him and had compassion on him. And the Bible says he came down from his donkey and put wine and oil into his wounds and put the man on his donkey and he walked whilst the man was on his donkey. And the Bible says he took him to an inn and put him there and took the caretaker and told him, take care of him till I come. And gave him two pennies. Do you know that Jesus was talking to us about himself? Now let me tell you this. The Samaritan was Jesus. Why did Jesus use himself as a Samaritan? Because Samaritans were mixed breeds. Now, for your information, if you see a Samaritan, you see, the reason why the Jews had a problem with Samaritans was simple. The Samaritans were once Jews. When the Jews disobeyed God, God sent a Gentile nation, which is Babylon, under the rulership of Nebuchadnezzar, to come and take the Israelites into captivity. As they were taken in captivity, some were remained in Israel. The few that were left were desolate and hopeless. They went there several times. If they would come, they didn't come. And they intermingled with Gentiles and married them. And gave them to them. So when the Jews returned from exile, they realized that these Jews had corrupted and had a mixed breed with the Gentiles. And they said, hey, you people have, have come against the covenant of God by mixing yourself as chosen people with Gentiles. And he left them. Since that day, there was a rivalry between Samaritans and Jews. So Samaritans were half-breed Jews, but mixed Gentiles. Why did Jesus call himself a Samaritan? Because Jesus was a mixed breed. He came from a Gentile background and a Jewish background. Do you know Jesus came from the loins of Rahab, the prostitute, a Gentile? Wow. <laughs> he came from the root of Ruth. Ruth was not a Jew; she was a Gentile. So Jesus came from a mixed breed. So he called himself a Samaritan. He says, as the Samaritan came, he saw the man attacked by robbers. The Bible says the thief came out the set to kill, to steal, and to destroy the devil. The devil left man dead on the ground. And man was helpless and hopeless. And the man, the Bible says he had compassion on him. God, through Jesus, had compassion, showed compassion. God so loved the world that he sent compassion. And guess what? The Bible says he descended from his donkey. Jesus descended from his glory. Sitting on, don- sitting on donkeys is sitting on glory. Do you know that on the day, the day that they, they shouted, Hosanna, they put Jesus on a donkey and he was enjoying glory. He was enjoying glory on a donkey. So donkey represents glory. Jesus got down by leaving his glory and he stepped down. And the Bible says he attended to the wounds of the man and put wine and put oil. Wine and oil represents life. There are elements that bring healing. If you have put spirit on it, that's wine. Those days. Oil signifies wealth. So Jesus poured his wealth and poured his healing on the deathless of man on the ground. And he lifted his man and put him on a donkey. Jesus put us onto his glory. So there was an exchange. The man on the donkey came down, the man on the ground came up. Jesus on the cross exchanged us by giving us his glory. And guess what? He got 
create a patient. A patient is one who is always, always, always submitting to the help of a doctor. Is one who is a So unto you, you put yourself and yield yourself to the nursing abilities of the Holy Ghost. Forget about it. The moment you think you have arrived and you are okay to move out of the inn, you are on your own. So you forever remain a patient. Always yielding. Listen, a patient is powerless in itself. The reason why we go to the hospital is because we can't help ourselves. There is a doctor who has all the ability, the skill, the experience, and the knowledge. That business you think the Holy Ghost has experience. That ministry, there were people the Holy Ghost used. Moses, Elijah, Enoch. God has experience in ministry more than you. So you must submit and yield to the Holy Spirit. For Him to take care of you until, until you become perfect and fully mature. Oh, 